Big Fluff. And the Emmy goes to Eugene Levy, Shit's Creek. Uh, I guess it's kind of ironical that the straightest role I've ever played lands me an Emmy for a comedy performance. Um, so now I seriously have to question just what I've been doing for the past 50 years. <laughs> I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and with me, Lars Periwinkle. How is it going? Ah, ah, it's going. Ah. <laughs> that, that's, I feel like that's an improvement. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little. That's what I say to people in the street now, when they're like, uh, uh, hey, how's, how's it going? I just go, ah, ah. I think if 2020 gets any worse, it's just going to turn us all into Chewbacca. Like, we're, that's how we're all going to communicate. Because <laughs> you just don't... Yeah, it's one of those... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, how the fuck do you think it's going? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, look, we could talk about this garbage year, uh, but that's not what people want from us. What people want no. is our comprehensive Emmy thoughts that's obviously why everyone tuned in they know that we love the emmys we put a lot of stock in the winners of the emmys right. it's very important to us and it's every year i mean yeah, it's funny but like it's a weird it's a weird dichotomy right like my my opinion my opinion of winning an actual emmy with the people who win the emmys is uh is right on par with people who win an oscar in that, like, I, that, that's fine. Congratulations. But also, come on. Like, the, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't be fucked to care about it. Couldn't honestly. be fucked but, to care. I mean, you I know that old phrase. The one we're all familiar with. Couldn't be fucked to care. I mean, I just, I, I just couldn't. But the difference is, I will watch the Oscars, and I'm interested in them. And I just, because we were, we were texting during, and you asked me if I was watching, and I, you know, I wanted to rehash the whole conversation. But I'm just, I'm not interested. In it. There is so much television now that, I, you know, I still, it still matters to me that they, they have enough wherewithal for the right people to win. But also, there's always going to be so much that's overlooked because the, the landscape is vast. Yeah, like I, I felt this year was interesting. I mean, for a number of reasons. One, because uh, I watched the whole thing because I had nothing better to do. I have not watched in the yeah. last few years, but I was home. There's a pandemic. I had nothing to do. So I watched every minute sure. of the Emmys. Uh, I, I will say... It, you know, this year, I felt, you know, I guess a little Ron Swanson about it of like, you know, awards are meaningless, but it's nice when they go to the right people of like. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It, it was odd and nice and also just a reminder of how myopic Emmy voters are to watch Shit's Creek win seven Emmys in a row. Of like, I yes, like that show. Yes, I like all the people on that show. I I don't disagree with any particular award. I'm very happy that they won those awards. Uh, except maybe directing. Like, come on. Do we needed to give Shits Creek a directing Emmy. But that aside. Because, <laughs> you know, when you watch Shits Creek, you're like, man, this is so beautifully directed. Much better than The Great, which is yeah. also nominated in this category. Be, be, oh, my God. 
Because it's so weird, right? Because they'll they'll be filming multiple episodes at the same time. And if this is any given TV show, multiple episodes at the same time, and they only have a space for a limited amount of time. So the director will not even be there, but will have yeah. direction over it. And they'll just film like several, several episodes worth of story in the same space at the same time. Just all in a row, like all in a day, and but but no, you you directed this particular whole episode <laughs> of television very well. Well, and I mean, the thing with sitcoms in particular is, you know, like for a long time, the standard was three camera sitcoms, where the idea, and this is how Cheers was shot. This is how like every great uh, sitcom through pretty much the '90s was shot. Was like you build sets. You pretty much use those sets like it's rare to use anything outside of them. And it's called three cameras because just three cameras are pointed at that set and you're just going to do the whole episode. No one's directing anything. You just those are the three shots that you have now edit them together. (laughs) (laughs) And and so obviously, you know, like I don't think Schitt's Creek is shot that way. Like uh, I, you know, I'm sure that it's a single camera and they move it around and it's definitely more inventive than those shows. But like. Most sitcoms, and this is not a knock on them, are not in any way creatively shot or directed for the exact reason that you mentioned, which is they're on a tight budget. They have to get mm-hmm. it done. It's it's about let's direct this as simply and as competently as possible uh, to, to right. get it done because we're on a tight schedule. And also, in their case, I'm sure it's and we're on a Canadian broadcasting network that is not giving us a lot of money to film this. <laughs> Um, so to get it done and that's fine, but I'm just saying like when you have stuff like the great that actually was beautifully shot and you know, there's, it's just, it's just what they do. It's what the Emmys do. It's just what they do because there are other, there are other shows. Um, the ones that come to mind are the ones that started online and actually became shows like your, uh, uh, broad city workaholics um it's always sunny um those sorts of shows where it's a core group of people and i mean a small group of people two three four people who are writing producing and directing the whole the whole the whole thing yeah so they they're not only directing um every episode of the show um but they're also like um, in be- in between takes, writing another episode, dealing with the fact that they they've lost the space that they needed to film for a later episode, so now they're dealing with that, and they're and they'll do this for um, you know from from anywhere between <clears throat> 10, 10 episode season to a twenty two episode season, and they're do- they're grinding the whole time, and so like, are you you saying the the end product? of one is not as good as the other. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're going to work a hall workaholics didn't win any goddamn Emmys, oh. but they worked their fucking asses off. And I think they directed, wrote and produced their shows very well. But I guess that doesn't matter because it's, it's, well, that's the, the thing is it, like, it's always going to be like that of like, it's nice that in its final season, Shit's Creek got recognition, but it's like, they were so interested right. in overcompensating for having ignored this show that they ignored right. every other show <laughs> that was up against it. And I mean, there were some good shows. I love Insecure. I, I, you know, it was nice to see people get nominated from that show. They got nothing. Uh, it was the last season mm-hmm. of The Good Place, which is a really great show. You know, oh, Darcy right. Carden, like, you know, didn't lose because he didn't win because she lost to, um, uh, what's it? I want to call her Alexis Murphy, Annie Murphy. I was like, she's so good at being Alexis hey, that Annie I want to call her yeah. Alexis Murphy. Hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, like Darcy Carden lost to Annie Murphy, which at that point it was Molly who actually did point out that it was like everyone else from the main cast had won. So it actually would have been sad if Annie Murphy was the only one yeah, <laughs> not to win. Yeah. But like... You know, I would have loved to see Darcy Carden win. I would have loved to see Ted Danson win, but I'm never going to be mad to watch Eugene Levy like win an award. Obviously, no, no, not at all. And you don't—that's the thing—is like I'm not. You don't get pissed off that they won all these Emmys and it has this recognition, and now the uh, my telephone is telling me several times to a day that I should be watching this show that I've already watched in its entirety. <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it, it, like I just. 
it's one of those things where it just clicked into the consciousness and I don't, I don't, maybe you can shed some, some light on this. Although I, I think I already know your answer, which ultimately is probably the answer, but in your, in your honest opinion, like I watch, I watch a lot of TV, um, and there are shows that are from from here and from other places that I think are absolutely brilliant, that that are smart, that are uh, uh, funny. I'm just talking about like a half-hour sitcom um, in any format. But they're, they're smart, they're funny, uh, they're interesting, they're original, they have heart, they have a shit ton of laughs. And I think, this is so great. And I, I talk to people about it. Maybe you watching this shit like it, like, I don't think anyone's, I don't think anyone's talking about it. This is such a fucking great show. Um, but I guess it's niche. I don't know. It's just not getting any attention. And, um, Shit's Creek is one of those shows. And then just all of a sudden like that. Oh, it, everyone loves this show now, which is, I'm so glad it has this attention, but why out of, out of everything is it this one? You know what I mean? Like, I, how do how do they just get plucked out of the ether? Yeah, no, and I think that's always a great question. And again, just while I'm thinking about it, too, because I'm trying to think of the shows, particularly this year, that I wish had gotten more acknowledgement. Uh, BoJack Horseman ended its run and got no Emmys either. It lost, actually, because it was up oh, for no animated. Shit. So it lost to Rick and Morty, right. which is another show that I like. But Rick, Rick and Morty is mm-hmm. one that is ridiculously popular, you know, that, uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, but to your question, the one thing that I did see was, uh, that, and I, I really wish I could credit the person because I it was someone on uh, Twitter who who put this out there, but like their theory was this, Mm -hmm. and I think it's a sound one, which is okay. That quarantine, uh combined like just everyone being home and having time to stream something and then that combined with everything being so terrible this year like the thing with Shit's creek is that it's and i mean this not in a disparaging way i just mean this like it's it's fluff like it's a very funny show it's a very well-written show but it's it's not like like everything is pretty happy in it you know what i mean like they they, you know, like obviously they're, they're rich people who are down on their luck. You know, uh, David Rose is a character that, uh, you know, he's gay and he's dating a guy who's coming out for the first time. But all these situations, like they always kind of just work out easily. And I don't mean and again, this is not disparaging the show, but it's like it's in an episode where Patrick is like, uh, re- you know, sort of afraid to come out to his parents and then he does come out to his parents and they're like we love you this is great like it's just a very feel good show that it's overall outlook on life is very optimistic and very happy and so the two those two things combined one we all had the time to watch a new show and then what show are you going to watch everybody watched the show where everything's very positive and works out and is silly and you know I think that's why it edged out other shows that are a bit heavier. Like, I love The Good Place. I think it's utterly brilliant. I am guessing that the show that's about existential dread and, like, uh, contemplating the evils of the world and, you know, really wrestling with what we owe to each other probably didn't play as well this year as the show where it's like, they're funny rich people. There's Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara and she does silly voices and stuff. Like... Again, not a knock on the show. I just think that's the best theory I have as to why this was the moment. No, no, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I don't think that's a knock on either of those shows. I think that is an accurate description of both. Because in, in Shit's Creek, there's really – there aren't any stakes. Yeah. Like, like they don't – the. <laughs> yeah. There's no way to describe it without spoiling it. So I, Because I think everyone should watch – that show from beginning to end if you if you like um if you like comedy and and really good acting i think you should watch it but you're right there are no stakes like they're they're rich people who are down on their luck and they're either going to get back into their luck or they're not it's a it's complete fish out of water situation it's almost paint by numbers but there is something very special about the way that they do it so yeah yeah that that'll that'll do the trick I'm glad. Like it's. I don't think. I think anyone's upset. And also, like you could just say, 
It's Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> They're supposed to be people people from New York who go to Missouri, but it becomes very evident to you about halfway through the second episode. Holy shit, hold the, hold the fucking phone. This is Canada. This is yeah. so clearly Canada. Yeah. No, it lacks that American grit of just the yes, reality yes, of indeed. New Yorkers. Yeah. No, it's very, it is very Canadian, you know, and that's, yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, obviously... Yeah. So we focused a lot on the comedy one. That's because uh, I think I can get through the rest of the awards pretty quickly, which is to say I'm ridiculously happy that um, Watchmen won everything that it won. Yeah. Uh, I, I was genuinely yes. surprised Jeremy Irons didn't win, uh, which I would have thought he was a lock because he was really great. But pretty much everything else I would have wanted Watchmen to win was great. Regina King when won her fourth Emmy in five years, and I hope she wins an Emmy every year because she's great and she deserves yeah, all the real. awards. I mean, I think you, you and I, you and I said when we were talking about that show a while back. I remember you and I said um, it's the only award that matters. You can get everything else wrong. Please, Emmys, do not yeah. get that wrong. Yeah, for all the reasons uh, we said, you go back and listen to the the library of Hobo Radio if you want to hear why. But yes, yeah, she had to win, but no. Yeah, no, we're obviously we've we've been standing Regina King for a long time on this show. <laughs> it is the official position of this podcast that she should win every award that she's up for. Always. Uh, <laughs> she, she was so. Do you remember who won um, instead of Jeremy Irons? <clears throat> I, I want to say category with like uh, you a know, limited miniseries or whatever. Oh, they yeah, because it. it was miniseries because I was like. I was about to guess yeah. that it was um what's his name uh from uh the the morning show but no cuz he won a, he won for just drama um but uh okay, okay. yeah um hold on I, if you want to <laughs> I don't Phil, remember but Phil, I just I, I, <laughs> I just remember like I'm sorry I said vamp and I was, I'm trying to look it up real quick <laughs> Oh okay. no I'm trying to <laughs> So I, I all I remember is in the midst of Watchmen which is like it's like it's heavy, but it's comic booky, and like there's some dark humor in it. Jeremy Irons was laugh out loud funny, just like like me literally doubled over on my sofa laughing at <laughs> laughing at stupid Jeremy Irons trying to deal with the uh, hellscape nightmare that he had created for himself. It was that was really great. Yeah, and it, it and I don't mean this in a disparaging way. I I mean this like it, often early on it felt like he was in a different show than everybody else, but it really worked. Like he had these like standalone vignettes and early on you didn't really know what was happening, but they were utterly delightful. Yes, yes indeed. He he was really really good. Uh sorry, I'm really trying to find this. <laughs> Huh. No, it's okay. I'm playing. I'm playing that image over and over in my head, where he's, uh, uh, where he's being judged by the clones that he created, and he uh, leans on one leg and farts for a, a good fifteen seconds. Oh, he he lost to Mark Ruffalo in that show. Uh, Mark Ruffalo wins an Emmy that nobody watched. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just like, I remember seeing the previews for that show and it was like, please give him an Emmy. We all like Mark Ruffalo. He's really great as the Hulk. Let's all do this. <laughs> anyway, he's sad this whole time. You want to watch a bunch of hours of him being yeah. sad all the time? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so... There's two of them, and they're both sad, and give him Emmys. <laughs> yeah, so that was who he lost to, which, yeah, I, I'm a little surprised by that, honestly, because, yeah, Jeremy Irons was, was great, but everybody else won, so I, I can't really uh, be too mad about that. Uh, I... Do I... Can we just say that I don't like the television show Succession, and then we can avoid talking about... <laughs> the dramatic ending. Have you actually watched that show? So I had a friend who was utterly convinced mm -hmm. that I needed to watch Succession because he thought it was the greatest show that he'd ever seen. And he kept bugging me about it. And I finally broke down and I said, I will watch the pilot episode of this show Succession to give it okay. a try. And you know me well enough to know that when I say that, I mean that sincerely. Like, I'm not going to go in and try to hate it. 
and I watched right. the pilot episode. Right. And I, I also, I'm very lenient on pilot episodes of shows because I realized that yep. uh, oftentimes the shows, you know, like pilot, it's very hard to judge pilots, but I watched it and there was yes. nothing I liked about the show. I was like, this looks like Arrested Development, but not fun. There wasn't even enough you liked to watch a second episode. There was no. And that's honestly what I did is I sat there and I was like, I don't like any of these characters. I don't like this story. I mm. love Brian Cox. I love Brian Cox so much sure. that I love his McDonald's commercials that they're currently playing on Hulu. <laughs> when he, when, I don't know if you've heard them, uh, but clearly you heard Molly reacting because he, he, in his very uh, Brian Cox brogue, actually sings the ba da ba ba ba. And it's just, it's like a little just dose of serotonin yeah, sure, like every sure. time. Sure, <laughs> uh, sure, sure. Okay. But no, even him, it's just, it was just rich people are sad and like anti-heroes and isn't it a statement? And I just hated it. I hated everything about it. And I, I don't want to watch terrible white people. Like I, I like just, if that's the whole thing, obviously I watch a lot of shows with terrible white people. Better Call Saul, which I wish had won uh, a lot of awards is about definitely about terrible white people, but like you got to mix it up a little bit and maybe have some people that aren't white in the show uh, that usually helps. Sounds like a shitty friend. Yeah. I And then he was like, well, you have to keep watching. It gets good. And then I was like, nope, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Better Better Call Saul is, is something that, that it's a shame how much, how, how good that show is and how much gets gets left on the floor when it comes to award season. And it, it's weird because to your question earlier, I don't get it because pe- everybody loved Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was an Emmy darling yeah. Uh, and, and rightfully so Breaking Bad's one of the greatest TV shows like to come out recently. I, I obviously loved it. I rewatched it, uh, during quarantine. It was great. I, I think on just because these people have been making shows in this world for so long, I think just on every technical level, uh, better call Saul is better. You can argue storyline wise if it's better or not, but I just think directing like just visually just like everybody even the acting of just everybody's been playing these parts so well that they know i'm like i think on all of those levels i think it's better than better call Saul because they've just all had more time with the world and the characters and it's so good to me (laughs) and it's just they don't care (laughs) no they don't give a shit like it's all it's all become so refined and everyone has a clear understanding of the world in which they're operating and the characters they're playing. Um, but yeah, yeah, they, they do not care. They're just, we, you, and it's weird because this is a, this is an awards committee that, um, these words are not in their vocabulary. Well, you already run, won those awards, so we don't need to give them to you anymore. No, they they love to give the same awards to the same people year after year. <laughs> like that's yeah. their jam. Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. The uh, um, uh, John Larroquette famously, after his fourth Emmy for playing the same role, took his name out of the hat and was like, "You you have to stop nominating me for playing Dan <laughs> Fielding." I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to keep doing, like, they're going to keep writing brilliant stuff. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. You got to give someone else a chance. This is ridiculous. I honestly, I think I might've said this before on the show, but the, or maybe you said it. I don't even know. Maybe you're good. Cause is this the thing where you're going to be like, I said this years ago and maybe you did, but whatever the, I feel like this has come up on the show before. <laughs> uh, I sincerely don't remember which of us came up with it, but like, uh, I feel oh, like no, it was me. I, it was it was me. <laughs> Do you even know what I'm gonna say? Right. Yeah, you, yeah, you're gonna say once you've won the award for it, you don't get yeah. to win another award yeah. for playing the same role. Yeah, sure. But yeah, that was I was sort of remembering that you said it because I just I hard agree with that. Like I think that that should be the case. Uh, I also the other thing that really was like evident this year because like multiple shows like multiple episodes were nominated for writing and for directing like of the same show, just different individual episodes. I would say, I mean, it's kind of different for directing, but like, especially for writing because all these shows have writing staffs. Like, can we just make it that you can only submit one episode, but if you win, we just give the whole writing staff the Emmy. Like, can we just do that? Like, because 
Uh, you know, I mean, sometimes for drama, it actually is a specific person wrote an episode, but particularly for sitcoms, everybody works on every episode. And even for drama, usually yeah. the whole writing staff is involved in at least like breaking the episode. Uh, but like mm-hmm. those things pass through every hand and it seems really weird to uh, just be like, you know, no, just the person who's because they have to put a name on it. Like that's all just uh, writers guild rules, you know, of like why an individual's name is on it and not just like everybody's. Uh, but just for the Emmys, it would be nice if they just were like, you all like the show won a writing Emmy. So every writer gets the Emmy and then we don't have to keep like because like one show yeah. needs three and, episodes and you know nominated. They, they do that for the um, which one they do it for. Uh, what is it called? It's called uh, it's the it's the hmm, it's the award that oh variety show is what it is. The variety. Yeah. Uh, show everyone wins everything so like um i remember in particular um uh conan's show won an emmy and i don't remember which one it was if it was the the late night show or the one on tbs but um every every writer was on that stage and in fact because he doesn't um he doesn't call himself uh the head writer he actually stood to the side and whoever was called the head writer actually gave the acceptance speech um, because that it's a variety show and everyone does everything all the time. And you're right. There's no difference between that and any other show on television, basically. Like everyone's if you have a, a writing staff, everyone's writing everything and everyone contributes. There are some notable exceptions, but those writers are kind of um, well, they're geniuses slash douchebags <laughs> who are, have a staff but do everything themselves. Who is it? Uh, I think David um, Milch was pretty famous for that. Uh, I'm not saying necessarily being a douchebag, no. but uh, right. but I know like he's the guy who wrote Deadwood and I know that every episode of Deadwood he would put his name on. Like he still ran it. And like apparently really. he really did like do the last pass, but he was that guy that like you know might have his staff like break it and then would pull it away from them and be like hold on i'm gonna (laughs) he also is kind of notorious for like rewriting stuff last minute too sure yeah and you know there's stories about um um larry david and seinfeld they they wrote seinfeld and that was it and nbc made them have a staff and the staff would come in with ideas let's do this. And they would say, that's a very good idea. And when you have your own sitcom, <laughs> you should put that in it. Yeah. But we're done with this episode and we're moving on now. Yeah. And I mean, South Park is kind of like that too, where I know weirdly like Bill Hader is someone that they bring in to like kind of joke around with, but it's ultimately, it's like Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah. They know they have a writer's room and they bounce off ideas off of people. And also they have like, they'll take any jokes that work, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much um trey and matt pretty much run that show and if you ask matt stone he says this is trey parker's show and i i you know i fill in when i can <laughs> but it's <laughs> yeah re- it's really his jam that's what the man said uh all right but i think i think we did it right do do we comprehensively <laughs> cover them oh also uh maybe this contradicts my point but i am happy every time john oliver wins uh even though he wins every year like that show's great. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. That's a good show. That's a that's a very good, funny, well written and well researched. Yeah, uh, show. I think it is uh, it of really all is. the and I I enjoy to varying degrees all of the uh, sort of Daily Show, uh, you know, former correspondents who have you know sort of spread out to their own shows. I I like all of them uh, yeah. to you know, but uh, I think John Oliver is just that show is the best of them in terms of like, you know, he has the advantage of it's a weekly show. Like they have a little bit more time, but it's just, I really like what he does with it where it's just like, we're going to pick one topic. We're going to deep dive on it. I'm going to use my HBO money for the silliest things I can imagine. Uh, like that, nobody, I mean, and nobody that's really what's money. it. Look, I don't, <clears throat> I don't go to John Oliver for a news source. I think it's like I said, well, <laughs> well researched and the things that he finds out, or just like I shouldn't say finds out the things that he brings to my attention and I'm like holy shit I didn't know that and you you look into it and you're like that's that's a for real fucking thing you just said that's cool but like the minutia of spending that 
stupid amount of money on silly things. Um, uh, Russell Crowe's divorce auction, <laughs> for instance. The wax figures. I love when he bought the wax presidents. Yeah, that the, was one of my favorites. The wax presidents, <laughs> that weird um, mouse pornographic art. Like it's, that's, re- <laughs> that's really good stuff. Yeah. And then the um, uh, putting in little shit. He's been... He's been um, sexually trolling Adam Driver yeah. for almost it, it, for the better part of a year, if not a full year, just talking, basically talking about how bad he wants to fuck this dude. And like, the, the, the shit, the well, I mean, specifically how up. bad. Not even just that he wants to have sex with Adam Driver, but he wants to be utterly dominated by Adam Driver. <laughs> like. It's very specific. He wants that. He wants that. That big dude on top of him. <laughs> uh, by yeah, the way, I will. So the only that's a really that's the a really only other show. thing that I will say about the uh, this year's Emmys, just while we're, because of having them uh, during the pandemic, uh, I don't know if you saw any of it. Like if you saw any footage, but the so the thing that they did was. They actually sent people, and they were in hazmat suits that were decorated to look like tuxes. And uh, they went to every... Yeah, and they went to every location of a nominee that was on a live webcam. So, like, everybody was in their own homes. All the Schitt's Creek people... Uh, we're all together, which I mean, they're most of them are related, so that's probably okay for them. <laughs> but uh, right. but they seem to have like a banquet hall somewhere that they all were, and they were at different tables and stuff, but they were all there. Uh, but you know, a lot of people they were just in their own homes or whatever. But literally, like they sent someone in a hazmat suit that had like that was decorated to look like a tux who had an Emmy at every location, so that whoever won got handed their Emmy. But then it was Rami Youssef who showed on Twitter. He shot video of his person waving goodbye to him and leaving because he didn't win. So, like, they just, like, oh, they no. dipped out. Like, uh, I also feel like... That's really that's really good. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Also, also, don't forget that the cast of Schitt's Creek um, live in a country where their government gives a fuck about them. Yeah, so, they're, for all I know, because how would we... worry quite so much. <laughs> Yeah, we wouldn't hear it here. They're probably they probably beat the coronavirus in Canada. They're probably all fine. They're back to normal. <laughs> oh, you're on my property. That means I'm allowed to shoot you. <laughs> uh, it was also I feel like it was because of uh, those constraints that we just talked about, like uh, that. I think they just that that was probably why, because I feel like in years past they haven't they jump around, but they did all seven awards mm-hmm. that Shit's Creek was nominated for in a row. So, like, that was what was weird, too, is you kept seeing them win over and over again. And I would imagine that's probably the logistics of, like, coordinating, getting, we'll get all the comedy people on, you know, like a webcam now. And then when they're done, like, they probably scheduled it so that the dramatic people probably didn't just have to sit there on, on a Zoom call the whole time or whatever. They probably had a window of time to have to be there for their categories or something. Um, Right on, right on. Wow. But I'm I'm sincerely cool, fascinated by the logistics of how they pulled off the show because I I imagine it was way harder than any of us think to to make all that work. Uh, I also but so I started <laughs> yeah, for real. It sounds like a logistical nightmare, man. But I I think that's really cool that they did that. I I didn't know that um I didn't know that fact. That's really good. Well, and the the funny thing is they did it for some of the awards, and one of them was John Oliver. Where instead of I guess just because they didn't have enough people to be everywhere, so he didn't have a person. Uh, in a hazmat suit giving him his Emmy. What he had was a black box and they all had them. Like everyone that was up in the category. And then when he was announced, somehow someone hit a button that had, it was like a, an arm that popped out of the, like confetti shot out of the box an arm popped out holding an Emmy. Like it was, it looked like something like the Riddler would make, you know, to give a clue to Batman. Like (laughs) that's nuts, man. And the, the, the disposable income, you know what I mean? Like, look what you look what you <laughs> did for this award ceremony. That at the at the end of everything means fuck all. 
Yeah. Jesus. And I, I, I actually, I, I really enjoyed, I know that he's, he's kind of polarizing, but I thought Jimmy Kimmel did a good job as the host because I think he has that ability to point out exactly what you just pointed out, but in a way that doesn't, because he's not like Ricky Gervais always comes across too hostile and it doesn't really play as charming as yes. he thinks it. But like somehow Jimmy yeah. Kimmel can do that and be like, it's ridiculous that we're doing this right now, but in a way that like everybody yep. finds charming. Which is a very particular skill. No, I definitely. Feel like. He is, he is, yes, he is a, the perfect host for these, for any of these ceremonies because he has this, he has this confidence that seems to stem from none of us should be giving a shit about this. So why should I give a shit about this? So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do whatever I want. I'm going to be, I'm going to be polite and charming and nice to people, except for Matt Damon. <laughs> and then that that should probably fucking work. Also, I'm a comic, so I guess I'll be funny. And then um, it, that that little formula right there works every time. I really like him as a host. No, I do, too. And it's good because uh, his former man show co-host seems to be terrible on social media. Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, ter he's terrible in jail. Yeah. He is, Adam Carolla has always been terrible, yeah. and that's what we loved about him. And now that's what we dislike about him, and he's just the same person. I don't know why anyone is surprised about this. He's just being Adam Carolla. Yeah. Actually, the problem is ours, <laughs> yeah. because he's just walking around being himself. You're right. He's probably very confused. He's like, this used to be beloved. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. I changed literally yeah. nothing about myself in the past 30 years. Yeah, I th I'm doing the same thing. and in, in fact, um, uh, Joe Rogan is now doing... <laughs> what i what i've always been doing and everyone everyone listens to him what the fuck that's gotta kill him i never thought about that but you know that's gotta <laughs> really hurt <laughs> no, uh, it, it has to all right well speaking of unnecessary things that uh are still happening anyway uh i don't know if you saw the news but i i'm very excited to give this update that uh there was an article i saw today on slash film saying that Zack Snyder's Justice League reshoots will reportedly cost around $70 million. Now, <laughs> you reported... <laughs> you reported some similar news to me before, and I want to say that the millions of dollars were in... The single digit. No, that's what I'm saying. Is we right? we talked about this before. This is definitely a much larger number than the <laughs> the previous. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's more money than Netflix, I think, has ever spent on a movie <laughs> like that they've made. How in I before I, I have I have all five of the questions that reporters ask. <laughs> but but like for real who the fuck approved that i honestly thought the other day i was thinking well under words i forget the circumstance oh you know what i was um i was looking through the dc universe category of hbo and uh the justice league popped up and i thought hey that it's it's been an amount of time that's <laughs> probably decent. Like, that has to be coming out, like, soon. Now, when I see soon, I think, like, you know, in early 2021, like, by spring of next year, this thing will probably be dropping, right? Like, they have to be to the point where they're going to wrap up these reshoots and they're going to start editing and doing whatever this madman wants to do. And you're telling me they had to increase the budget how many fold? <laughs> <laughs> tenfold for yeah. what that's well, just another movie it's just another movie well it's definitely another movie but it also one it proves what i think we've always maintained which is there's no such thing as the snyder cut it never existed like everybody who's no. been yelling for it it was never made like he dropped out no. of the project halfway through and i don't think there's a lot that was filmed that wasn't used honestly like, I think that's maybe why they changed the aspect ratio on that trailer that they released. Because what else? They don't have anything else to show. <laughs> like, yeah, straight up, straight up. There, there's nothing there. Stop. 
Who's clamoring for it? Just <laughs> shut up. Well, anyone who's clamoring for it, if you're listening right now, please shut up because <laughs> this thing is it's useless. It was it was bad, and I'm sorry it was bad. I didn't want it to be bad either, but it was, and now it exists, and we need to move on with our lives. Yeah, I'm just – I'm really curious about it because, okay, so you're going to spend $70 million to make this movie, to make a very small subset – of very loud fans happy. I, there is no way you recoup this money. Like, there is just no way you make back $70 million in subscriptions to HBO Max. Where do they think this money's coming from? Like, even because now, especially in the midst of no one going to movie theaters anymore um, for the foreseeable future. Why would you approve this money? I mean, I guess this might be bullshit money for you, but honestly, it's another fucking movie. And it was a movie that's, it's just, this isn't me being pessimistic. And I'm also not going to see it. It's me being realistic. What I'm going to say is just a reality of this movie was never going to be good. And anything you do to it is not going to be good unless you scrap everything, including Two of the three previous films leading up to it <laughs> and start from there, you know? Yeah. There's nothing there. Well, it's also – it's so weird because they're going to spend all this money. Plus, it's – like we're saying, it's basically a new movie. So, it's probably going to take like two years. Plus, who knows with Corona – uh, like to, to have the movie made at that point, theoretically, you should have, I mean, you have Wonder Woman already sitting around waiting to be released. Like you guys are working on this like flash movie you're working on. I mean, the, the Batman will be done, uh, uh by then. So you're going to release like a handful of new movies that don't work with this continuity anyway. All this, like for yeah. what, what, what? What between them and and Disney making Rise of Skywalker, like what information are you guys getting that this very niche group of loud vocal trolls are where the money is? Exactly. No, you have it exactly right, Mr. Murphy, where I don't even know who you're bending over for at this point. Because yeah. you can look, su Suicide Squad broke fucking records. Like you you can just make a movie and it's fine. <laughs> Why is this important to you? Because the one that made that got all the attention and got a shit ton of money and won all the awards doesn't have to do with any of this. Zero of it. So you got Joker who did all the shit. Yeah. You got Ben Affleck who says, I'm not Batman anymore. And now you're coming out with, you know, with $70 million, I'm going to call it a new Ben Affleck Batman movie. <laughs> but you're also making this Robert Pattinson movie and you're, you're in the hole. I shouldn't say in the hole, but you're losing money on that. Your budget has been increased. Because you had to delay it because because uh, he got sick. Just I I don't know why you're going back to this of all the things. I mean, I I don't know what else I would have you go back to. Whatever it's you're gonna make the Flash movie. It's end up it's gonna end up being a, a Flashpoint paradox, and you're gonna reset the whole fucking goddamn thing any goddamn way. So why seventy fucking million seventy million dollars? Yeah, which is really funny because I looked it up while you were uh, saying that because I was curious. The budget of Joker is uh, estimated to be between fifty five and seventy million. <laughs> so literally, you're gonna spend as much money as you spent on the movie that won you Academy Award awards <laughs> but yeah it's, it's just... gonna like yeah i hope it comes out after the flashpoint movie <laughs> like you know it's uh, it's it strikes me that when we talk about um dc universe movies on this show i always find it like i always get so exhausted and i always want to say <laughs> We can't talk about this anymore. We talked about that Joker movie uh, ad nauseum, but there was always something new. Like, that. what do you mean Robert De Niro is going to be in it? What a weird fucking movie. And we would discuss it a little bit. And yeah. we did the same thing with the, with the fucking Snyder cut of, like, what are you? 
I don't know what to say anymore. It's just weird and stupid. Stop doing those <laughs> things, I guess, is what I want to tell those people. It also, I mean, because it, lest you think that this is like just that we hate Zack Snyder or like whatever. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan of those movies, but they're fine. I'm not a big fan of most of the movies DC has made recently. Right. Uh right. But, like, for $70 million, just go to Zack Snyder and be like, what else do you want to make? Like, we'll just let you yeah. make a new movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's really nothing against you, Zack Snyder. I mean, I don't always enjoy your style of filmmaking, but I have enjoyed your style of filmmaking. Um, you went through a really uh, a rough time in your, your, your life uh, recently, and I appreciate that. Like, I don't, I don't you know whatever you you got to do your thing i get it zack snyder it's nothing against you people like your product i don't always but can you just tell them i'm not going to do this anymore <laughs> because, yes because you didn't do it in the first place and you should stop doing it now the movie just isn't there for whatever reason it isn't there so look and if you, you maybe just, I, <sighs> Maybe you're a fan of, of these Zack Snyder, uh, you know, DC movies. I'm going to invite you to do this. Like, close your eyes and imagine what you think this Snyder cut is. And just, just hold on to that. That's your Snyder cut. Because whatever they spend $70 million on that comes out years from now will not be as good as you are imagining that it can be in your mind. <clears throat> it's it's go, it's trying to go back and fix the fact that they're not Marvel. Don't be Marvel, and I think I've said this before. And if I'm repeating, oh, we myself, definitely talked about this. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Well, then I won't repeat myself entirely. Just to remind our listening audience, the the DC movie universe is not the Marvel universe, and they should stop trying to be. Be your weird, awesome, random selves, DC. Just do that. Yeah, no, Keep you're only on. that's what D, that's what DC is great at is just soldiering on until they can't take it anymore. And then you can reset everything and we can do a new 52 or whatever. Just keep moving forward. Don't go back and collect this bullshit. It's not worth it. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's really the whole thing is like you view not being Marvel as weakness, but it's actually your strength. Like just keep yes, making new movies and hoping that they work and make them all tonally different know that batman will always make you money and honestly it's just like your comics like that's how it works batman's always going to make you money and then there's going to be some weird shit that you make that you didn't expect to make you a lot of money that's going to make you a lot of money that's been your model this whole time <laughs> like i don't know why you forgot yeah, that exa exactly 100 percent. <laughs> i don't know <clears throat> I don't, I don't know what letter we have to write or whatever, but that is straight up your jam. And I thought you had figured that out, but now you think you have to be yeah. Marvel. Do not be Marvel. They do their thing. Just Batman, Superman, and now Wonder Woman will make you a shit ton of money. Your shitty movies make money. You will make the money. Just keep going. Just keep making the shit and you'll keep making money. That's fine. Also, James Gunn's Suicide Squad movie looks great. Like that, it, it I, look, I watched it like, like the, a lot of fun. yeah, like yeah. that's what you should be. Just keep doing yeah. that. Just yeah, just keep trying it. Yeah. Put Harley Quinn. Look, Margot Robbie is such good casting in Harley as Harley Quinn that you can make seven different, to completely tonally different movies with her as Harley Quinn if you want. Stop putting um, what's his name. Uh, uh, Jared Leto as Joker. Like, let's keep him out of all of them in the future. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> but I other mean, than I that, mean, like, that's really it. Like, you, yeah. you, you came to it a little late, but you put your stakes in Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. What you should be putting your stakes into is uh Gal Gadot and Margot Robbie. Mm -hmm. those, those are your two. That's your that's your Iron Man and Captain America. Those are the two you need. You got it right. So put, invest in that if you need to invest in Honestly, anything. Yeah. Which I what I just make I the movies. Say, but, but if you if you think you have two 
two heads on a Mount Rushmore. Those are them. Yeah. Hire a female writer and a female director to just write a movie with the two of them in it, honestly. And you'll just print money. Like, in that point, like That's yes. Yeah. That's just weird enough to work. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. I, and I don't think the comics have ever really explored the two of them. I mean, I mean, I'm sure they've crossed paths, but I don't think there's like any specific comic run that's like Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn team up. So write that. Yeah, I can't I can't think of I can't think of any. So yeah, fucking do that. Yeah. Uh Dude, but yeah, shit. it's just I, I will say since we really like shit on them, the uh, the thing that I will give HBO Max credit for and wait for the inevitable they go back on this because they just sunk all their money into remaking Justice League is that the two shows the DC makes that are on HBO Max now that I absolutely love, which are Doom Patrol and the Harley Quinn animated show, have both officially been renewed for a new season. They're going to make more of both of them, and that makes me very happy. Right on. Right on. You know who's hot right now? <clears throat> um, oh, man. You know who's hot right now is it's, uh, Catherine O'Hare and Regina King, who... Uh, I'll just say on on this particular podcast have been uh, renowned for quite some time, and uh, if you get if you get a Margot Robbie, you get a Gal Gadot, you get a Regina King as Selena Kyle, <laughs> and you have Catherine O'Hara as a Poison Ivy. That's a fucking show. I'd watch that. Yeah, and I don't know what the hell the show is, but I'm tuning in. I'm tuning the fuck in. Yeah. As no, I'll watch that. that. <laughs> I I do want to watch so the version of Poison go. Ivy. You have to pay like, me for that idea. It's a good idea. Yeah. I, I do want to watch the Catherine O'Hare Poison Ivy who talks to her plants and is like, my babies. She... <laughs> 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 It's so funny. She's so like to to say to say that Levy and O'Hara are comic geniuses is to understate their genius. Yeah. But Catherine O'Hara got me so hard the beginning of one episode of Shit's Creek when um someone um admonished her a little bit for being late to an appointment and she said, Well, I have been positively bedeviled by appointments all morning. <laughs> and I, I, oh, I thought I was going to pee out of my butt. I was laughing so hard. I also somehow the way that she says David's name and the way that Alexis says David's name like are both make me laugh. Uh -huh. Like, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I, oh, I will say that, by the way, that I, I did love out of all of the um, acceptance speeches for Schitt's Creek. I love Eugene Levy pointing out that it is the straightest straight man that he has ever played on TV that he won a comedic Emmy for. That it is like the least comedic role he has ever played, which I tend to agree with. Like on that show, he is the most yeah, like no, totally. straight laced of the four of them. And it is very funny that he won a comedic Emmy for playing that character. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah, he's played he's played some goofy roles and he's played some hilariously straight roles like. And when I say hilariously straight roles, I don't mean like he was playing a straight man. It was hilarious. Just like. He he he's a, he's able to make a straight laced role so kind of like grotesque, if that makes any sense. Just like the, <laughs> like, like some kind of nightmare scape of normal human being is, is yeah. kind of kind of a role that that he can just slip into, and um. um he and uh, Christopher Guest can can really flesh out so well. Yeah, and I still, I mean, his character in Best in Show, I think, like, uh, is maybe the best of that, of just, like, just so normal that it's weird. <laughs> like, somehow, yeah. he's yeah, yeah, yeah. so boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yes indeed. The, the same thing with um the same thing with Guffman where he's he's someone who in this this small little well you know what? It's a Missouri town. This small little Missouri town 
is considered to be the funny guy. He's the hilarious dentist in this small Missouri town. <laughs> and you watch it and he's so he's so good at be like being able to play that just he's not funny. He's not even yeah. an interesting person to even talk to. But in the movie he's supposed to be a hilarious goofy dentist and everyone buys it and he sells it and it's just it's funny that he's failing. <laughs> no, it's God uh damn it. and yeah, to, God and, damn it. In Best in Show, it's I always think of when they first meet uh Michael McKean and John Michael Higgins. And uh like the whole thing is that John Michael Higgins is wearing a name tag that says Mary. And I, the joke is he says something uh -huh. about you must be so proud, Mary. And then there's like a pause, and then they just start laughing. They're like, "Where'd this guy come from?" <laughs> like, like it's the lightest of jokes, but it's just him actually trying to be funny. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Nah, to ever, to ever be that funny. Yeah. That's like, right, like but on worst, that note, the worst, oh. the worst joke, the worst thing, the worst joke that Eugene Levy, that a Michael McKeon, that a that a Mike Higgins, that a Catherine O'Hara has ever written is what I strive for every every time. <laughs> and this is the truth, audience, my dear listeners, is always what I strive for. Just the worst of them is what I always strive to give you every week. And I know I keep falling short. 11 years later at this point, I know I'm still falling <laughs> short, but that's what I'm going for, you guys. Stick with me. I'll find it. I'll find it someday. <laughs> I believe in you. That's why, Thanks, buddy. That's why I'm investing $70 million in revamping Lars. Oh, oh, it's a mistake. It's a giant mistake. <laughs> so remember, question everything. <laughs> Holy 
Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. This is Joe. And this is Chris. From the Curioso Podcast. You are currently listening to The Hobo Radio. Joe, do hobos listen to Hobo Radio? I think so. They have one in their stick and bindle, right? Uh, that's called a bindle stiff, sir. Bindle stiff. And you know what? If you listen to The Curioso, you will get to know things like that. Because we talk about the weird, the strange, the bizarre, and sometimes the mundane that you just don't know. So enjoy your two hobos, but you can catch us at thecurioso.com on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. Nicholas Cage wants you to. <laughs> <laughs>